Welcome to The Deciding Point, our Crack Rackets weekly roundup of the biggest storylines happening throughout the tennis world this past week. Saw a couple of first-time champions on the ATP and WTA Tour. Now for Astra Sharma, it was her first WTA-level title in Charleston. For Stefano Tsitsipas, his first Masters 1000 title. That still counts. Want to talk about those events, some of the action we saw on the Challenger Tour as well. With that in mind, Westoff. Roll those credits. Let's start today's show. Let's talk about Stefano Tsitsipas, the talented 22-year-old earning the first Masters 1000 title of his career this past week in Monte Carlo. Tsitsipas didn't drop a set on his way to the winner's circle of impressive wins over Karatsev, Davidovich Fokina, Dan Evans, and then 6-3-6-3 straight set victory over fellow next-gen superstar Andre Rublev to clinch the title. You look at the statistics for Tsitsipas this past week, he held serve. 93% of the time was only broken on three occasions. If you extrapolated that number over the course of a season, it would lead the 2021 ATP Tour. Ditto, by the way, on the flip side, his return of serve, he broke serve 37.5% of the time. I know that's an arbitrary number to some of you viewers, but worth noting via the Tennis Abstract leaderboard, that would lead the Tour if he was able to keep that rate up over the course of the season. And, you know, for seats, those numbers pass the eye test as well. His ability to play first strike tennis on these red clay courts, it's it simply put phenomenal. I mean, the hardest thing to do on red clay is to hit off of your back foot, to have to be reacting to what your opponent is doing. And that's what Tsitsipas forces his opponents to do because he plays such proficient strike first tennis. If you leave a forehand in this, uh, a ball in the center of the court, he's hitting a forehand. He can go cross court. He can go inside out, can do a little bit of everything. And then he's going to look to move forward as well. And I thought in particular, his movement on this red clay, his ability to, you know, he knows uh, opponents are going to pick on his backhand wing, try and hit to that side. He was comfortable playing that backhand down the line and then daring his opponent, take the open space, hit to his forehand on the run, his ability to hit that on the run forehand, both cross court and down the line. And then again, his effectiveness on serve, his ability to run around his backhand return, find forehands, his ability to swing through that backhand in general. Those are all reasons why Stefano Tsitsipas uh, was able to capture the title this week. But I want to quickly look beyond just his Monte Carlo result. Let's talk about Tsitsipas's numbers of late on clay courts. And you look for him now, just again, he's 31-8 in eight on clay courts uh, since the start of the 2019 season. He's won two titles, made two finals, made two other semifinals. In 10 total events, you look at those eight losses, Two of them are to Djokovic, one of them's to Nadal, one of them's to Rublev. I believe there's a Wawrinka loss in there, a Sinner loss in there. Since I'm reading the list, Medvedev and Struff as well. Although six of the, those eight losses went the distance, meaning they were either three-set matches or five-set matches. You look even more narrowly than that since the tour restarted. He lost his second-round match, I believe, in Rome, or maybe it was his first round, but then makes the final in Hamburg where he loses to Rublev, then beats Rublev in straight sets in the the French Open makes the semifinals five-set match against Djokovic. He beats Rublev once again to capture the title here in Monte Carlo. I mean, if you want to look even beyond the clay courts result for Tsitsipas, he's one of 19 active players with a Masters title, one of seven to win a Masters title. But 
before turning 23 years old. You want to look at the players who did that. Nadal did it 15 times, which is a significant lead over second place. Djokovic, who did it four times. Federer, Murray, Zverev, Hachinov, and now Tsitsipas. That entire list of players to accomplish that. You know, it's the fourth straight season. He's won an ATP title. That's the, I believe, fourth longest streak right now active on the ATP Tour. Trails only Djokovic, uh, who's done, or excuse me, Nadal's done it 17 seasons in a row. Djokovic 16. Zverev and team have each done it six seasons in a row, although we're still waiting for team here in 2021. And then you have Medvedev and Tsitsipas, who have both won titles in four straight seasons now. I mean, last stat for you. You look via ELO rating. Tsitsipas, their broader ELO rating via Tennis Abstract, which again is measuring who you're playing, not when or where. He's number five overall by uh, total ELO rating. If you look on clay court results specifically, he's the number three rated player behind just Nadal and Dominic Team. You look for him on yearly ELO here just in the 2021 season. He's Tennis Abstract's number one player, and you can understand that. He's played a ton of matches, you know, semifinal. Australian Open, final in Acapulco, quarterfinal loss to Hercats in Miami, now the title here in Monte Carlo. He's the real deal, folks. He is entering the prime of his career, 22 years old, still has so much fantastic, his best tennis ahead of him, but we certainly got a sneak peek of it this past week as he emerges with the title in Monte Carlo. I want to talk about some of the non-Tsitsipas-centric results we saw unfold in Monte Carlo because there were a few that certainly caught my eye. Let's start with Dan Evans, who was 4-13 in his career in ATP-level matches on clay entering the week. He beats Dusan Lajevic, who beat Hercats, Novak freaking Djokovic, and then David Goffin to make his first Masters 1000 semifinal. For that to happen on clay, you know, we're as shocked as anyone here at Cracked Rackets, but you just looked at his discipline, his patience, uh, his willingness to play these physical points, and it makes sense. He's, what, 31 years old, uh, certainly in the, the peak of his career, his prime uh, f- shape of phys- physically, and we've seen him play such good tennis uh, really since the start of the 2020 season. You know, this result, of course, a breakthrough, of course, unexpected, but it's the culmination of so much hard work for Evans, who has had a ton of success, right? Entered the top 30 for the first time in his his career over the past year and now, you know, gets this first Masters 1000 result. Do I expect him to make the second week of the French Open? Truthfully, no, I don't. He doesn't have that huge weapon on clay, but he does move the ball around the court so well. His variety, his willingness again to suffer and make matches physical, it's something to take note of. If you're not prepared, uh, he is going to beat you. Novak Djokovic wasn't prepared in their, I believe it was, what, round of 16 match and against David Goffin, he just was so disciplined and just absorbed and redirected the pace so well. And, you know, again, you look at the list of players, Hercat's really the only guy with a huge serve, and I do wonder a huge serve like Tsitsipas had on the clay. That does disrupt Dan Evans' rhythm a little bit more. But for Evans, fantastic, well-deserved week. He was uh, outstanding in Monte Carlo. Of course, he was a semi-finalist. Another finalist in Monte Carlo was Andre Rublev, who's now, I believe, uh, your 20. 2021 wins leader on the season with 25 wins. You combine his wins in 2021 with 2020. Significant lead for him. He's got 65 total wins. The next closest are Tsitsipas and Djokovic with 51. He's 14-3 and three on clay in his last 52 
weeks. That includes a loss to Hubi Hercats in Rome. He then won the Hamburg title where he beat Tsitsipas. French Open quarterfinals where he lost to Tsitsipas. Now Monte Carlo final where he again loses to Stefanos. You know, Rublev's a former junior French Open champion. And obviously you see someone with his power, you think that's a game that's going to thrive on hard courts. And clearly he has if you look at his results over the past two seasons. But... With the weight of his shot, his ability to change direction, I think he's also a sneaky good mover on clay. He's just going to present such a tough out for so many different opponents who are just going to be overwhelmed by the weight of his shot. Again, if you leave anything in the center, it's the kiss of death against him on any surface, but on clay in particular, now he's moving you around the court. And, you know, it's obvious people are going to target his backhand, but he knows that, and he's so disciplined on that side now. Was a bit worn down in that final, and Stefanos did such a good job of taking it to him, but taking nothing away from Andre Rublev. Another great week for him. Another great week for Casper Ruud, your other semifinalist on the dirt for Ruud, the loss to Andre Rublev, but you look for him now back-to-back semifinals on clay court Masters events, I believe. Uh, you look for him now since the start of last season. He's 14-6 and six in his clay court matches, and, you know, uh, some of his losses as well, coming to guys like Djokovic, like Rublev, like Dominic Team at the French Open. Takes a really good player to beat Kasparud. That forehand's an absolute weapon. He does such a good job moving his backhand around the court, adding depth to it uh, whenever he gets pressed on that side. Really nice combos as well. Slice out wide on the deuce with the serve to open up the inside out forehand. He just knows how to play clay court tennis, moves comfortably. He's top 30 for a reason. He's won titles on clay the past two seasons. Should I, you expect, I expect him to make the French Open second week? Absolutely, if the draw gods present in his favor. Casper Rude was a stud. And then again, just throughout the weekend, whether it was Evans, Tsitsipas, Rublev, Rude, who of course were the semifinalists, but you had, you know, Davidovich Fokina, David Goffin, Fabio Fognini, all resurgent uh, to make the quarterfinals. Rafa wasn't at his best, but certainly we got a fun glimpse of him. And to see him lose to Rublev, that's something all of us are going to bank moving forward. So overall was a fantastic first Masters 1000 event of the season on the clay courts of Monte Carlo. What a week of tennis we just saw unfold in Charleston. And I suppose we should have always expected things to get funky given it was the second of back-to-back events held at the site. But what a fantastic week. So many storylines to explore, whether it's Astra Sharma's first WTA-level title of her career, whether it was 15-year-old Linda Fruvertova or 19-year-old former world junior number one Maria Camila Osorio Serrano making deep runs at the event. On Jabour continuing to show that this being her first full season of WTA-level clay court events. Look out rest of the tour because with her variety, her comfort level moving on the surface, she is going to be an absolute nightmare for any opponent to face. There are so many things to talk about coming out of the week's event. The first thing I have to say, shout out to the tournament organizers having served on press row and asked this question of many of the players. They were all so grateful, so thankful to have an event in the same site two weeks in a row. It just made everything so much easier for them logistically. And so you have to give a shout out to the tournament organizers for pulling this off. The next thing we have to talk about, whenever a former college tennis great wins a tour level title, it's 
it's going to catch our attention here at Crack Rackets. And for Astra Sharma, who's had a ton of success on the doubles tour, as we can expect, former Vanderbilt Commodore standout, was an All-American in singles and doubles. You know, she's been a top 100 ranked player, had made a WTA level final before, but you know, to see her do it on the green clay here in Charleston, her aggressive game style, her willingness to make matches physical, to take the ball early, still move forward, yeah, it earned her the victory. And you look now, she's 14 and 12 in her last 52 weeks, but you look at how she earned those 50, uh, those 14 wins, going through qualifying at the French Open before, I believe, winning around there, going through qualifying in Guadalajara before making the round of 16 there, you know, taking advantage of of the draw here to make the final. Uh, she just played great tennis from start to finish. And again, you watch Sharma play her length, her ability to beat you to the spot. She was able to make that match against Jabour so physical, particularly in the second set when it was clear Jabour was hurting. Uh, it, it was just a phenomenal, again, aggressive tennis from Astra Sharma. Ultimately earns her a well-deserved first WTA title of her career. The crazy thing, she's not going to break the top 100, which speaks to the point protections, etc., etc., but into the top 120 once again, which is where she belongs. The talent she has, such a well-rounded game. She was fantastic this week, uh, as was Own Jabour, who was feeling it a little bit, you could tell, again, in that final set, but uh, in that second and third set in the final, but another final for her at the WTA level. I, I, it just makes sense, her variety her willingness to hit the drop shot, and we chatted with her. You can hear that conversation on our From the Presser a segment of the Cracked Interviews podcast, but yeah, she, the former junior French Open champion, clearly enjoys herself on the dirt. Be on the lookout for some breakthroughs there. And again, if you want to hear more about Fruvertova or Maria Camilo Osorio Serrano, I talked about them so much last week on the mini break. I don't want to repeat myself too much here. But despite the, I suppose, lack of headline players, right, outside of Jabour and Shelby Rogers, uh, you know, there was no serious, you know, plethora of top 10 players in this week's event, but absolutely entertaining tennis, high-level tennis as well. Charleston certainly delivered the goods once again this past week. For this week's deciding point, I wanted to get back to my roots and talk a little bit about some of the ATP Challenger actions we saw unfold this past weekend. Casper Zouk and Jensen Brooksby are two young players I think all of you fans are going to have to get familiar with over the next few seasons. You look at their results on the Challenger Tour here to start 2021. Simply put, they're two players who are in the midst of their breakthroughs to the top of the professional game. And we say it all the time on our podcast. I'll repeat it here quickly. You know, one week of impressive results. Obviously, we're going to enjoy that as tennis fans, but anyone can get hot for a week. All of these players playing professionally, so outstanding. You know, on the right week, they can look like the best player in the world. That's how thin the margins are. You do it one week, sure, we'll we'll applaud you. You do it two, three, four weeks in a row, we start to take notice. You do it three months in a row, we've got a trend on our hands. And folks, for three straight months and really for the last 52 weeks since the tour resumed in August, these two players in Jensen Brooksby and Casper Zouk have done nothing but win at any level they've played at. Let's start 
with Zook, who's 41-9 now since the tour resumed in August. 325k uh, titles last season. It was just so difficult for him to get into challenger events, but now that he has here in 2020, he's made the quarterfinals of six straight challengers, made the semifinals at three straight challengers, and now earns his first challenger title this past week with the victory in split uh, Croatia. Now, you know, he's not going to overwhelm you with size, but it's very much in that Davidovich Fokina, Tommy Paul model. You know, they're, they're, they can just do a little bit of everything, and no one is ever going to question their athleticism, their movement, their ability when you leave a ball short or you just leave it in the center of the court to turn on that random forehand, hit through any court. They're all well-rounded players as well. That's Kasper Zouk, who just, again, you look for him here. When you make six straight quarterfinals at the challenger level, three straight semifinals, and now earn the title— Clearly, that's the level you belong at. And, you know, with this title, maybe it's time for him to start sniffing some ATP level qualifying as well. He's into the top 200. I don't know why I was pointing over here, but this is where the ATP level is. He's into the top 200 for the first time in his career. And again, if you see him uh, win three matches at Grand Slam qualifying in a main draw of a Grand Slam, that should shock no one because that's how good he's been here to start the season Ditto for Jensen Brooksby, and for him, it's all come on hard courts for Zook. He's done it indoor hard courts, outdoor hard, uh, outdoor clay courts, but for Brooksby, it's not the prettiest game, but it just works. His ability to move the ball around the court. I shouldn't say prettiest. I should say it's not the most conventional, but just his ability to move the ball around the court, to hit the ball where you're not. You think you've hit a ball by him, but then he extends those long arms and sneaks that backhand passing shot by you, and his backhand isn't just good. It's exceptional. Just, again, his forehand's explosive. The serve leaves a little bit to be desired, but for a 20-year-old, you want to see there are still areas for improvement, that the serve is such a low-hanging fruit for him. Bodes so well for his career moving forward. He's 18-4 and four now to start the season. You know, last three challengers, title in South Africa, semifinal in uh, uh, Cleveland, and now the title here in Orlando. He doesn't drop a set in the entire week. He's into the top 200 for the first time. Guy's the real deal. Former Kalamazoo champion, dealt with injuries all of 2020, and just, you know, we didn't get to see him, unfortunately, play for Baylor, and he wasn't able to come out and play events as soon as the tour resumed, but now that he is playing full-time, uh, he's putting up the results, folks. Certainly, he's of the Korda, Nakashima generation of Americans. He belongs in the conversation right alongside them. Not a notch below, you know, perhaps everyone belongs a notch below Korda at this point with just how successful he's been at the ATP level. That's a discussion for another time, but Brooksby's in the conversation, folks. Two challenger titles now, plus another final here to start the 2021 season. If it's an event on a hard court at the challenger level and Jensen Brooksby signed up, you should expect him. And honestly, if it's Casper Zouk, you can expect both of them to be making deep runs. They are absolutely two players to keep an eye on throughout the rest of this 2021 season.